I think we ought to have an old-fashioned Sunday at Action Church. I don't even know what that means. I know most of y'all didn't grow up in church, but just get old, old school. Lou, can we get a quartet up here? Yeah. All in matching clothes. Yeah. Quartets in the old Baptist churches were the great because really only one person in the quartet could ever sing. But the other ones, boy, they had good hearts. Yeah, anybody ever says they have a good heart, what they're really saying is you suck at the job you're doing, but you have a good heart. Talking with Jesus. You know, it's funny. We live in a day and time where the art of talking is non-existent. The art of communication is non-existent. We have taken sitting down and talking with someone and we traded it in for this. Our kids don't even want to leave the house and you'll tell them, man, you need friends. Like, I have friends. They flip around their phone, and there's the list of everybody they're talking with. But there's just something powerful, almost therapeutic, almost life-changing about simply sitting down and talking with someone. I, I, I don't know what it is. There's just something powerful about cracking open on a hot summer day, that cold beer, and everybody just kind of relaxes. And you talk about life. There's just something about on that cool fall morning or one of those winter mornings and you go into the coffee shop and I don't drink coffee but I love the smell of coffee and everybody's sitting around and they seem like they're having their drug of choice for the day and they're just talking. I don't know what is so magical about a fire pit But there's just something that happens sitting in your driveway, sitting in your backyard around a fire, and life begins to happen through communication. There's power in talking. And I asked the question on Facebook a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, I said, man, if you could sit down and have a conversation with Jesus, what is the number one question you would ask him? If you could sit down and crack open a beer, what's the number one question you would ask him? The one that's been burning in your brain for so long. It's always dangerous when you ask those type of questions because everybody thinks, Facebook's amazing, social media is amazing. Everyone thinks they're a comedian. They think their stupid answers are funny when it's really just annoying. But I ended up with almost 300 comments and I began to go through that and look at some of the questions and I decided in this series that I would answer some of those questions. Last week we answered the question, can God really forgive me for my past? If you missed that message, you can go into anything on your phone where there's podcasts, you can type in actionchurch.tv and you can download that for free. Today we're going to answer a question that was asked over and over. Matter of fact, last week's question and this question were almost tied for first place. Next week I'm going to answer the question, what happens when we die? Because that was the third most asked question. And in the fourth week, nobody asked this question except me. Nobody thought about this question except me, but if I was to sit down with Jesus, this would be the question that I would ask him, and I'm going to ask him, why do most Christians suck? And do you know that we're biblically going to answer that question? 
Why do most Christians suck? I can't wait for week four of this series. But today we're going to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I feel very safe in saying there's not a person in here today who has not asked this question. You know, somebody who went through something and by what you deem for them to be good or bad thought they should not have to go through that and you question God in this area. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why does God allow that? If he's really a good God, why would he allow that to happen? Why doesn't God seem fair? Oh, side note, by the way, God's not fair. Oh, side note, you don't want God to be fair. If God was fair, we would get what we deserve. He's not a fair God, he's a just God. But that's not the sermon today. We're not the first to ask that question. We've all asked it in the past, and the reality is, as we move forward, we'll ask it again in the future. And the reality is, did you know that a lot of people actually ask that same question in their own way in the Bible? In the Old Testament, Abraham asked the question, should not the judge of the, should not the, judge of the world judge fairly? That was Abraham's way of saying, why do bad things happen to good people? Jeremiah asked God, he said, why do the wicked prosper? We ever asked that question? You ever known someone who's just in your eyes a piece of trash, but it seems like everything they do just excels? And you want to know why? It's your way of saying, why do bad things happen to good people? Over and over and over, David asked in the Psalms, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Over and over and over in the Psalms, David asked, God, where are you? I'm doing what you called me to do. I'm on the run now from my life, and I need to know where are you? God, he even asked, he said, why don't you show yourself to me? Why don't you deliver me from this? God, why the... Bad things happen to good people. We ask that question. We ask it in different ways. We ask it this way. We ask so many times. We'll say, why is there children all over the world that are starving to death? We ask that question. Why do people die in other countries from diseases that we have the cure for here in America? We ask that question. Anytime that there's a natural disaster, we ask, why would God allow a hurricane like that? Why would God allow that tsunami? Why would God allow that tornado? Why would God allow that earthquake? Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? And they're all fair questions. Let's just be honest about it. We serve a big God, and he's a God who can handle our big questions. 
There are things we should be talking about. But the reality is, you know something, I've been doing this pastor gig a long time, and this is going to hurt some of your feelings, but you're going to realize that I'm telling the truth. I have learned that when we ask those questions, why is God allowing starving kids, and why does it allow, allow this, and why is God allowing that in that foreign country? <laughs> when people are asking this question, they really deep down are asking in the context of what's happening in other countries. They're really asking in the context of what's hitting close to home for them. They don't want to come across selfish. They don't want to come across like it's all about them. But if they can get the answer to why God allows bad things to happen to other people, then they can sit back and ask themselves with the answer, why does God allow bad things to happen to me? Because here's what I have learned about our faith, especially here in America. When things are going good, he's a good God. When we're on the mountaintop, man, oh, I love God, he's good. But we're in the valley, man, we start questioning why, God. Why does God put so much on me? We begin to ask the questions, and again, we don't want to seem selfish, so we ask in the context of others. When we really want to ask is, God, why'd you let me get abused? God, when I was an innocent child and that adult took advantage of me, why'd you allow that to happen? What we really want to ask is this. God, why didn't you let my marriage survive? All I wanted was to live happily ever after, and I'm not. God, all I wanted in life was children and people who can't even take care of their kids keep having them and I never could have one. Why, God? God, why does it seem like you bless people who are against you? But I have some desires in my life, God, and they're not able to be met. I just don't understand, God. Why'd you allow her to get breast cancer, God? She's the most caring, loving person I know. Why'd you allow that to happen? God, why can't I get ahead? I'm busting my tail. Look at that. Look, I'm maturing. Like I wanted to say ass, but I said tail. Like I'm growing up. That's what happens when you're the community church. You got to act a certain way. God, I'm busting my tail. I'm putting in the work. And every time I take one step forward, it's two steps back. Why, God? I have family members that ask it. I have a family member who asked my mom one time. She said, Mom, 
I love God. I love my husband. I love my children. We have devoted our life to mission trips and raising our children in a certain way. And she said, all we deal with is heartache. Yet Gary can fall in a pile of crap and come out smelling like a rose. She wanted to know why bad things happen to good people. She deemed herself good and deemed me bad. Human nature. I get why she would feel that way. Because by what society's standards are, by what the church deems good, she checks all the boxes. I sure don't. I just say God likes fools, protects fools. God, I'm a good husband. Provide for my wife. Provide for our children. I meet her needs. I'm there for her in every way. I support her dreams, and yet she can't be faithful. Why, God? I could go on and on and on, could I not? Why do bad things happen to good people? If we were to sit down and crack open a beer with Jesus, you say, you think Jesus would have a beer? I believe Jesus would have a beer. I know it's hard for some of you former Baptists to believe. His first miracle was he took water and he turned it into wine. With all due respect to the great theologian, Dr. Johnny Hunt, it was not grape juice. It was wine. So I believe he'd crack open a beer. He'd do life with us. And in the midst of conversing with him, we'd be able to ask him this question. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I believe as humans, we want to give God the benefit of the doubt. God, I believe in you and I believe you're good. But they feel forced into seeing what's happening all around them and not understanding what is happening all around them. And they begin to question and they say, I guess God can't be good if he allows that to happen. If God is truly in control, if he is good like everyone says he is, why do bad things keep happening to others? We really mean why do bad things keep happening to me? I feel like because I see bad things happening, I'm either put in the position where I can't trust God, or if I can't trust him, I have to decide he doesn't even exist anyway because a good God would not allow bad things to happen. So we need some answers to those questions. Let me be real honest with you today. I can't clearly answer <laughs> this question. I've got a buddy of mine, he's in a group text with us, and he's been asking me this question the whole two years I've known him. And he says, oh, I can never get a straight answer. And I can't give him a straight answer. I don't fully comprehend why bad things happen to good people. Doesn't make sense to me. 
There's people that are much smarter than me. And they've been trying to answer this question for years. I wish I could give you a black and white answer on why they happen, but I can't. But I got some theories on it. Let's back that up. I got some biblical theories on it. Sometimes the answer to the question that we're asking is not a simple answer. Sometimes it's not just a yes or just a no. There's factors that are involved in it. And for so long, the church has screwed this one up and made it sound like the reason bad things happen to people is because we do bad things. Religious guilt. I really wasn't into church growing up. I didn't go to church growing up. My parents got involved in church late in my teenage years. My brothers and sisters grew up in church. I didn't. I graduated. I moved out. I didn't go to church. Not only did I not go to church, I dare say I hated church. I grew up in a very small town. It's not so small now, but it was very small then. Graduating class of 141. I was number 138 of 141. Not even saying that to be funny. But in our small town was a big church. Hebron Baptist Church. We called them Hebronites. Boy, they were religious. Live like hell during the week, but boy, they loved God on Sunday. Live like hell, or actually live like me during the week in secret, but tell you why you were wrong. And I grew up with this mindset that they were hypocritical and that they were fake. And I wanted nothing to do with church. Then I bet a dude $50. This is not going to be very pastor-like, and if this offends you, I'm sorry. But this is the reality of the story. I bet a dude $50 I could shag a girl he knew. In order to work that in, I had to go to church. So I went to church with her. This little old country church on Old Atlanta Road in Cumming, Georgia. What did he say? I walked in. Now, back in those days, you had two interior designs in church. You either had red velvet or gold-crushed velvet. This was a gold-crushed velvet church. I sat on the back row, and the quartet began to sing. And this little old man in the back, back here, I didn't know what he was. I didn't know I didn't do church. Was just screaming the whole time they were singing. I remember thinking how rude that was. Like he had, so the, in these churches, they had thrones on the stage. We should do this, actually. They had thrones on the stage. And the pastor got to sit in this big throne. Like, I need a throne to sit in. I used to have a throne here. I bought it because Ric Flair sat in it for a video shoot. But I think we broke it at wrestling one time. That would have been awesome to have Ric Flair thrown up in here. I have issues, yes. But he actually had his 
feet in the throne. Like he wasn't sitting in it like this on his butt. He was sitting in it with like his feet crouched like, um, like a spider monkey. <laughs> and while they would sing, he would just raise his hand like this. Like, oh, glory! It's like, what is that guy doing? And they sang for like, seemed like 20 hours. Horrible. And they got off the stage. And when I tell you he leaped from the throne. Now they also had these big things called pulpits. He grabbed that pulpit. Hands on both sides. Take your Bibles! I didn't have a Bible. And when I tell you he used that thing like it was a machine gun. And he mowed down the entire church. I'll never forget. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Now listen, I'm old. I'm 47 years old. This was 28 years ago. He begins to preach against rock and roll music. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Listen, I know 28 years ago is a long time. But he used as an example of the rock and roll music you shouldn't be listening to. Not Bon Jovi. Not Motley Crue, shout at the devil. Not anything like that. He said, and some of you are out there listening to the temptations. I didn't even know there was. I didn't know what that meant. I thought he meant they were a temptation. He preached against women wearing pants. He preached against the movies. I'll never forget this. He preached against church music. And I, I can remember to the, that wasn't 25 years old. Like that was the magic number. When it's 25, it's vested. Cool, mom. Okay, cool. He screamed and he hollered and he spit. And I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> that night I gave my life to Christ. You heard me share the story. I'm not going to even share it. I'm going to share it. At the end, he said, listen, listen, there's 47 people in this room. It's obvious I'm the only one he don't know. He said, every head pound, every eye closed. Well, I wasn't closing my eyes. I didn't know they were going to shoot me. He's looking dead at me. He said, you're going to fry like bacon. Oh, hell. I'm going to fry like bacon? I'll never forget what he said. He said, you got to come down. I was like, I'm coming down. I don't even know what that means. So I came down. Went home that night and told mom, I said, went to church. She said, yeah. I said, I went down. She said, you went down where? Down. She said, what'd you do down there? I said, I don't know. I just went down. She said, why'd you go down? I said, well, several reasons. First of all, they were on about the seventh verse of the same song. I don't think they were stopping until I came down. So I took one for the team. I said, second of all, he told me I was going to fry like bacon. I said, third of all, he told me to come down. 
My dad explained everything to me. I gave my life to Christ that night, and my life was forever changed, and I started attending this church. And I said all that to say this. The longer I went to that church, the more I heard that preacher talk about bad things happen to bad people. So if bad things are happening to you, it must be because you've done something wrong. And I remember even as a new Christian, that not sitting right with me. That didn't sound like the grace I was reading about in the Bible. That didn't sound like a God who had a plan for my life in the Bible. That didn't sound like to me like the God I was reading about who had a purpose for my life. And then the biggest problem with that is I knew a lot of good people who were dealing with a lot of bad things and it just didn't line up with me. So I think the church is a little confused on this subject because preachers have been teaching wrong on this subject. So what happens is we know someone that we deem good and something bad happens to them and we don't understand it. And so what happens is we begin to question the teaching that we had and therefore we begin to question God. So I'm going to try to answer this question today. I don't have a concrete answer for you, but I got some biblical answers for you. There's various reasons why bad things happen to anybody, good or bad. But for the interest of talking with Jesus, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe, just maybe, you're simply a victim of a broken world. You ever thought about that? Maybe you're simply a victim of a broken world. If you begin to read your Bible and you start in Genesis, you'll see in Genesis chapter 1 things were good. You'll get over to chapter 2 and you'll see that things are good. You'll get over to chapter 3 and you'll see things are good. You get over to 4 and it begins to go sideways. A naked woman tells us to eat an apple. Somehow we get blamed for listening to a naked woman like we ain't supposed to listen to a naked woman. We eat the apple even though God said don't eat the apple and now sin is introduced into the world. And when Adam and Eve sinned against the world, it divided things into good and bad. Therefore now good things happen to us and therefore bad things happen to us. Once sin entered into the world, listen to me, what happened is is punishment entered into the world. Consequences for our actions begin to enter into the world. There became curses for our sin. Child labor is now painful. It entered into the world. The ground is now cursed. We have to work the land to get food. There's sickness, there's death, there's pain, there's sin. Matter of fact, Jesus even addressed this in John 16, and here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, he didn't say, in this world, we'll never get a headache. He, he didn't say, in this world, we'll never get flipped off by someone in traffic. He didn't say, in this world, you will not have sickness. He did not say, in this world, you will not deal with death. He did not say in this world you will not deal with heartache. 
He did not say you will not deal with betrayal. He did not say people will not hurt you. Matter of fact, Jesus laid it out and because of sin, he said the exact opposite. Look what he said in John 16, verse 33. He said, I have told you, said these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. Why do we go through hard times? Because sometimes life just happens. It's called living. In order to get to the mountaintop, you got to go through the valley. In order to deal with the sunrise, you got to go through the night. In order to know something is a good time, you've had to experience a bad time. We live in a broken world with broken people. And good people do bad things. And I know this is hard to believe. Bad people that we deem bad do good things. There's not a one of us. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says for there is none righteous, no, not one. Here's the news. You are effed up. I am effed up. You see what so-and-so said about you on social media? Yeah. You mad about it? No. It's probably true. Sounds like something I would have done. You mean I'm human? You mean I lost my temper? We live in a broken world. And when you live in a broken world, broken things happen. Trouble, pain, hard times, things you don't like, things you don't understand. God says, I'm promising you, I'm promising you, you'll go through it. You'll have trouble. God must hate me because I'm going through this. Or God just understands you're a human. Broken people do broken things. People will hurt us. <laughs> and we'll hurt people. Circle of life. Just is what it is. Chris Collette wrote an article about my wife this week in the Tribune. It's a great article. I was proud of my wife. I didn't want to rain on my wife's parade. So I tried to be positive all week. But I've been in the spotlight. So as nice as I could without trying to throw water on her fire, I kept saying, you need to get ready. For what? I said, boy, once you go public, all the people who don't like what you've done or that you've hurt in the past or they want to hurt you, guess what? Now they're reigniting the fire for them to do it. They didn't care about you when you were hidden. They didn't care about you when you weren't on their mind. But now people are going to be praising you and she ought to get praised. People are going to be bragging on you and she ought to get bragged on. I said, but now God's going to give you a platform. And guess what? You're an easy target when you're on a platform. I, I had to be real careful. I didn't want to bring her down, but I wanted to give her reality. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Trouble. 
And you know why some of the people are going to come after her? Because guess what? As great as she is, she's hurt some people. She's human. And sometimes people are just jealous and hurt. It's a broken world. So why do bad things happen to good people? Life just happens. You're trying to analyze it. You're trying to find an answer. Sometimes the answer is simply we live in a broken world. We live in a messy world. Messy people are messy. Hurt people hurt people. Oh, by the way, healthy people hurt people too. Might not be intentional like it is with the hurt people, but life just happens. Just is what it is. So sometimes bad things happen to us just because, man, we live in a broken world. But sometimes, sometimes maybe bad things happen to good people just maybe because you brought it on yourself. Now, wait a minute, Gary. I thought you said a minute ago bad things don't happen. I didn't. I didn't say bad things happen to you because of sin in your life. It's not because you did something over here and this is an unrelated consequence. But sometimes there's direct consequences to your actions. Sometimes you just do stupid stuff and win stupid prizes. People tell me all the time, I know this sickness came into my life because I did this person wrong. That's not how sickness works. That's not how it works. Now, it's possible this sickness came into your life because you didn't take care of yourself physically. Or sometimes it's possible sickness came into your life because we live in a broken world. But there's consequences for our actions. There's direct consequences for our actions. If I go to a party, that beer pong, do people still beer pong? I don't know because you know I'm a Christian, I don't drink. Do people still beer pong them? I beer pong a case of beer. I get behind the wheel of my car and I drive home and I get pulled over and I get a DUI. And they take my license from me because I got a DUI. Guess what? Something bad happened to me because I did something stupid. Some of you get upset with God about your finances. It ain't God's fault you don't know how to manage your money. It's not God's fault that you spend more than you make. You spend it all and then wonder why you can't pay the bills. You're poor stewards of what God's giving you, yet you want to blame God for it instead of looking in the mirror and blaming yourself. Some of you have lied and cheated on your spouse so many times, and then you wonder why they don't trust you. Why you have to rebuild that trust? Because of your actions. Some people want nothing to do with you in business. Why? Because you've ripped off people and cheated people all over the place. But I'm a good person. You might be a good person. I'm sure there's good in all of us and there's bad in all of us. But the reality is, you probably brought it on yourself. 
I am one of those people you might find this shocking because all of you love me. And I'm a lovable person. I understand that. Gary Lovable Lamb. If I was a Care Bear, that'd be my name, Lovable. But there's people in this community that can't stand me. Saw someone share it yesterday. They shared the prayer vigil and said, man, I'm disappointed it's going to be at Action Church. I used to go to his church. I won't step foot in this new place. They say, well, that's arrogant and unforgiving. Possibly. But it's also a byproduct of my actions 14 years ago. Y'all get way upset about the critics more than I do because one thing about me, I'm going to screw up. In case you didn't know that. I'm going to do stupid stuff in case you didn't know that. I'm going to say stupid things in case you didn't know that. But one thing I can honestly say no one can ever say about me is I don't take responsibility and own my stuff. So I own it. And I understand because of my actions, there's consequences. Not everyone is going to trust me. Not everyone is going to like me. I don't look at it as, oh, woe is me. Why does God continue to allow this to happen? Doesn't he know that I open up my building for the homeless? And doesn't he know we feed people? And doesn't he know we clothe people and play a victim? I just realized that I've done some stupid stuff. And I brought it on myself. You think you can be as public as me and enjoy the praise of people? But get upset about the jeers of people? That's not how it works. If you want the cheers, you got to deal with the jeers. Just how it goes. Some of you need to understand that. There's consequences for our actions. I understand why I lost my license. God says, because thouest played beer pong. <laughs> Thou drovest home drunk. And thy popo pulled you over. <laughs> Here's what the Bible says in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. What's the next part of that, Xander? Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. There's consequences for our actions. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we just do stupid things. Got a buddy of mine who had a dream to go out and do his own thing, and he took a job with another company. First time someone came along and offered him some dineros, he took the job and abandoned his dream. Years later, he tells me, he says, I feel like I'm in prison, and I don't understand why God's got me here. I said, God didn't put you there. You put yourself there. You had a vision. You had a dream. You had a good plan. 
I was on board with what you were doing. I thought it was awesome. Really what the problem was is you didn't have enough faith to trust God over here. So you went over here to get paid on the 1st and 15th and now you're in prison. So welcome. I'm not mad at you. But don't blame God for your stupidity. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we live in a broken world. Sometimes bad things happen to us because we do stupid stuff. Maybe, though, sometimes, God, bad things happen to good people because maybe God wants to do something big. I don't understand why I went through this. God does. God was prepping you. God was preparing you. God was shaping you. God was molding you. God was getting you ready. Me and Christine were actually talking about this this week. In my previous life, you're really going to find this shocking. So my previous church was part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Gary, the Southern Baptist. So before I went and planted that church, I had to go to what was called an assessment to see if I met their standards. Four days of intensive testing. And I can't remember the name of it. But it was a test that was given all over the country in business platforms there where they bring in these trainers. And you were one of four things. Or, and you were a little bit of each. So you might be 75% of this, 25% of this, 10% of this, 5% of that. And it lets you know your personality. It was a personality test. And at the end of the day, you were a golden retriever was one of them. You were happy, lucky, the life of the party. Caring. No, I think that was wrong. The golden retriever was caring. You were caring. You had the heart. Care for people. Um... I think one of them was an otter. That was the life of the party because otters like to party. Apparently otters like to party. I don't know. So like if you were the otter man, you walked in and you just took over. There was something else. I don't remember what it was. It was a doer, like a beaver maybe. You build dams and stuff. You're just focused and you work and you have a process. And there was a lion. Just come in, destroy everything. Nothing can stop you. And so you get a, a formula. 99, 90% of this, 10% of that, and that shows your personality. So I take the test. About two weeks later, they called me and said, we need you to come take the test again. I said, okay, something go wrong. We just need you to come take the test again. I said, okay. So I come take the test again. They send it off. The researchers research over this. That's a huge test. They call me back in. I walk into the meeting. It's in Macon. I walk into the meeting. And the president, the owner of the personality test company is there. Now, it's not a Christian test. It's a business. He has flown in from Texas to be in this meeting. He said, I want to ask you some questions. I said, okay. He begins to ask me some questions. Boom, 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 boom. He said, did anybody tell you about this test before? I said, he goes, you didn't manipulate the results? I said, no. I'll never forget he looked at me and he said, we have issued this test to over one million people. We have never had anybody score 100 in one category and zero in all the others. Golden Retriever, caring, I was a zero. Otter, life of the party, zero. Beaver, building a dam, zero. 
a-hole lion who comes in and just rips everything up? 100. You say, why are you telling that story? Here's why. I'm going to in the next couple of weeks, actually. I'm going to go retake that test. Because I wouldn't be 100 anymore. Because of what I've been through in the last 14 years. I like to think there's some golden retriever in there. I'm probably still a zero with the otter. I ain't going to be the life of no party. But I'd like to think maybe I'm a five in that area now. All right, three. Zero, it is. That beaver, I know I'd do good because, man, I, 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 for a long time I didn't have a team around me. I had to build everything. So my point is this. I had to go through some things because God I had to go through that because God was preparing me for this. I didn't like going through that mess, but it prepared me for this. People ask me all the time, if you could go back in time, would you change that? I'd change nothing. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I don't mean that in a cocky way. I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. I don't mean it in a glorifying way. I just mean I love where I am today. And without yesterday, today would have never happened. Problem is some of y'all are living with regrets of the past, but the regrets of the past made you who you are today. I think about this a lot. John Little. How many of y'all think more than anybody in this church? Randy, I need an amen from you. John Little outkicked his coverage. It's ridiculous. Now, when I met John, John had a reputation as a player in town. I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. He's old and married now. But he had to go lay with all them dogs and get all those fleas. <laughs> get that heart broke over and over. For him to appreciate what he has now. Mm. Sometimes you go through hard things. Listen, God was going to strike me dead for making fun of John. Listen, sometimes God's just prepping you for something big. You don't like it. You don't understand it. But God says, hey, I'm going to take you through the mess where it can be your ministry. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to take you through some things where when people have also been through that, you can come along and learn and return in their life. The Bible says in James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You can look at the bad things as bad things. Or you can look at the bad things as God preparing you for what's next. I can meet people where they are now. Because I've been there when people were meeting me where I was. My friend Doug Crumley's been coming to our church. He's preaching for us in February. I'm not going to give you the exact date because you slackers won't come. But you know what I love about Doug preaching here at this church? When I lost everything and no pastor would let me in their church, 
I used to drive to Ackworth and go to Doug's church. Now Doug comes to our church because God's got him in a different direction in life. That's how God works. That's how God moves. That's what God does. God prepares you in the midst of your mess because in your mess is sometimes the only time you'll listen to him. All my implosions happen during my successful times because I forget that God got me there and I think I'm bigger than God at times. Thank God I got some people in my life now that like to come along and remind me. It would not do me good to be too... I'd have to be like Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius would walk around Rome and he'd have someone... A guy just fall around and said, you're just a man. People would be like worshiping. He's the greatest. And the guy, he paid the guy to whisper in his ear, you're just a man. Thank God I got some people around me that just remind me I'm just a man. Here's what I know God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a calling on your life. But in order for God to get you to where you need to be, he's got to take you through the valley to get you to the mountaintop. Bad things happen to good people because sometimes God's getting ready to do something big. Man, I think about old Joseph over there, man. Slow, I preached on a couple of weeks Sold into slavery. Thrown into prison by his brothers. Years later, ruling the country. Famine hits the land. His brothers come along and they need food for him. They thought he was dead. He reveals himself to them and they freak out. And he says, hey, hey, hey. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Look around this building today. Look around this building today. Look how full this building is. You tell me a church anywhere in this country where the pastor gets on stage like I did four months ago, three months ago, and as honest and as real about their struggles and what they're going through as I did, and the church not only maintains, it thrives. Most churches would have shut down during that. Most churches would have closed their door during that. Most churches would have became gossip central during that. Most churches would have had the people in the church walk away. Or they'd have been real stupid up in here. They'd have tried to overthrow the pastor and get him gone. Hence why the building's in my name and not the church's name. Someone asked me, they said, how do we get rid of you as the pastor? I said, you quit coming. Everybody quits coming. I guess we're done. Do you know what I know? I know Christina will be on the front row and Bubba will be on the front row. And I guess, I guess all of you will be here because, crap, I tried to run you off. I'm trying to get out of this thing and can't. The devil meant that for evil. God meant that for good. That's not justification. Let me make that really, really clear. but God will take us through a mess for our ministry. Lou can minister to people I can't minister to. Why? Because of the messes in his life in the past. David, Sierra, John, Stacy, Chuck, Phil, all on and on and on. 
They can minister to people that will never listen to me. Why? Because they've been through messes I've never been through. Their messes equipped them for their ministry. Bad things happen to good people because sometimes God's getting ready to say, I'm taking you through this because it's going to draw you closer to me. There's people in this room that could tell you the lowest point in their life when they were at the worst of the worst was the catalyst to the greatest point in their life where Christ showed out like never before. I love that quote in the dark night. He said, the night is darkest just before the dawn. But I promise you the dawn is coming. Some of you are going through some hard times today. Some of you are going through some bad times today. Some of you are going through some things that you don't understand. You're dealing with death right now. My heart breaks for you. You're dealing with sickness right now. You're dealing with financial burdens right now. Right now you're dealing with relational issues. And you're wondering why these bad things are happening to you. Because that's the real question. The real question to God isn't why do bad things happen to good people. You just don't want to be selfish. You want to ask him, why do bad things happen to me? I don't have a magical answer for you. We live in a broken world. We do stupid stuff. Sometimes God's getting ready to do big things. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't always know the answer. But I know God's in control. Let me repeat that. Because here's the deal, baby. I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to this. I swore when I started this church I'd never do the fake. Is there, is there kids in here? Okay, cover their ears. I swore I'd never do the fake pastor bullshit ever again. Ever. We're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it messy. We're going to keep it dirty. We're going to keep it where we don't have to fake what we're going through. We don't have to put a smile on our face even though we're going through bad times. And I'll close with this story. The first church I ever worked, that five-foot, four-nothing Cherokee Indian man, he got leukemia. They thought he was going to die. I watched the man literally preach his own funeral to thousands of people. And I loved that man. I still love that man. His son still pastors in LaGrange. He works at the church in LaGrange. I keep up with him. He thinks I'm a reprobate now, but that's all right. I still love him. But I would watch him get on stage. And I don't think he was lying, so let me make that clear. But he would talk about how he wasn't afraid to die. And he didn't fear death. And God was in control. And God was this. And God knew he was going to have leukemia before he knew he was going to have leukemia. And hey, God knew there wasn't nothing to be afraid about. No, he's got the anchor holds and blah, 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 blah. And he talked about this great faith. And he had great faith. I'm not saying that at all. But I was with him behind the scenes when there was moments of doubt. 
I was with him when he was scared because he had five children and he didn't want to leave his five children. I was with him when, when he was afraid that God was going to take him already and, and, and he was worried. I was with him when he had those brief, 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 let me make it so clear, brief moments of even doubting there was a place called heaven. Because sometimes when your morality, your mortality, excuse me, hits you, you question things. And I always thought to myself, the emotion he's feeling now, everybody out there can relate to. And if he'd just be honest, he'd help so many more people. Because I literally watched people question their faith because they'd watch him on stage and be like, man, I, I don't know that I could have the faith that he has. My walk with God must not be good because I don't know that I could do what he can do. I would be questioning and I'd be doubting. And so here's the deal. Bad things are going to happen. I'm so glad that we have created an environment here where we can embrace the bad things and love people no matter what. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know, man. We live in a broken world. Sometimes you do stupid stuff. Sometimes God's getting ready to do bigger things. But at the end of the day, God's in control and he knows what's best. It's easy to trust him when it's good. But real faith is built when it's bad.